Hello again. Already been mentioned, I guess. Uh, I guess this was Thanksgiving weekend, huh? We had a good time with our family, and fortunately, all three of my uh, sons, my adult sons, they all live in the area, so we were all able to be together. My three sons, my two daughters-in-law, and my two grandsons. So we had a full house. It was a lot of fun and a great, you know, our, a lot of you can probably relate to that. My family started out, it was just me and Mary Kay. And then over the years, you know, we just kept adding to that. It keeps getting bigger and bigger, and uh, hopefully that will continue. That's great. So uh, I don't know about you, but we had turkey on Thanksgiving. It's not, not that unusual. A lot of you had turkey, and I think that's the traditional meal, isn't it? But I wonder if, uh, if any of you have a, a, maybe your own unique uh, tradition for celebrating Thanksgiving that does not include turkey. Anybody? Hoppy, you have one? What is yours? Tri-tip. So you don't, no turkey at all. Just goes straight to the tri-tip. That's nice. I, I, would, I would love to get invited over. Um, can, can I come next year? Can I bring all the rest of my folks? Okay. Brandon, what do you have for Thanksgiving? Ham. Okay. That's, that's sort of... Part two, I mean, it's not untraditional, right? And then there's the honey-baked thing. So, I don't know, how many of you made the mistake of ordering a honey-baked ham and waiting until the day before Thanksgiving to try to pick it up? And then you ended up, I did that one year, I was assigned that task. I don't know if it's Christmas or Thanksgiving, and uh, I had to wait in line for about three hours. So I explained to Mary Kay that in the future we need to make other arrangements for uh, the honey-baked ham. Am I, am I the only one that has, anybody have a honey-baked ham? Yeah, you did. Cheryl, you did? Did you have to wait in line? 30 minutes. Well, <laughs> you can praise God for that. I hope you were thankful during communion today. Anybody else have anything you eat on Thanksgiving that's different? Yeah? Chicken and beef skewers. Nice. Kevin? Deep fried turkey. Nice. Nice. Now, i got to say, that's another thing. I've heard of that. Fried turkey. And, uh, you know, of course, we're not allowed to eat fried foods at my house. But I have never had a fried turkey. Is it pretty awesome? I've heard good reports. Mary Kay, what, fried turkey next year? No? No? We'll just take a couple more. Is that your hand, Gina? Gina? A hundred lupias. Oh, Filipino egg rolls. That's all you had to say? Just say Filipino egg rolls. Lupias. Yeah, you better get there, you know. You know, call me what you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. Right, Derek? Duck. Duck, yeah. There you go. What was the movie where they uh, they went out for turkey and they ended up with duck? Because they went to Christmas Story. That's coming up. That's coming up. So I guess it's better if you intentionally had duck. 
and you just didn't wait and you go to a Chinese restaurant for, you know, Thanksgiving. Sorry, Curtis. Uh, yes, one more. Everybody wants to go to lunch now. I don't know why I spent so much time on this. Puerto Rican shoulder. Puerto Rican pork shoulder. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. There's, there's some really evil people here. Puerto Rican pork shoulder, marinated, falls off the bone, started the night before. Wow, this is great. Wow. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, let's have a prayer and we'll go home now. Um, now we're going to spend a uh, we're going to spend a few minutes here. I'm very excited. Uh, it won't take long, but I think there's a, there's a powerful lesson for us today. We're actually in the second of a three-part series. It's a very short series we're doing on uh, how to share your faith more effectively. Very practical. It's how to help somebody maybe who does not know Jesus yet find Jesus or somebody who maybe has faith but they're struggling in their faith and their faith is weak. And that's something, if you're new to the church here, this is something that is very important to us. We are a growing church. We have been for many years. We desperately want to help other people. We have found, that is the plan of God, of course, but we've also found that we are much fuller life and we're, much, uh, we're very richly rewarded when we don't just think about ourselves. We don't just focus on ourselves. We try to help other people. So uh, we're trying to do that. The, uh, the last lesson I gave a few weeks ago on that was uh, entitled, Tell Me a Story. And it was about how important it is and how we can be effective in helping other people by telling stories. Stories are powerful. Stories are memorable. Stories frequently clarify the truth. Uh, stories move us. And they're very powerful. Jesus used stories. Uh, we need to tell God's story. The Bible is full of stories. We have great opportunities there. We need to tell our story. We need to learn and listen to other people's stories. And that really connects us. It brings us together. And it's very powerful. I did give you a... Uh, a short assignment that you might want to consider doing if you haven't done it yet is that uh, you write your conversion story. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, write your conversion story in 250 words or less. And the 250 words or less is important because that will teach you to be brief and to the point in telling of your stories. Another word for that, Emma, is I know you're getting ready to go to college, succinct. Okay, succinct. That's a SAT word. Write that down. You're already done with your SAT. Who's not done with their SATs? Albert, are you done? Succinct. Write that down. Go home and look it up. All right. So, today we're going to do the second of three parts. And this is uh, very practical. We'll finish up next week. Uh, come back. I plan to finish the third of a three-part series next week. And that will be historic in itself. Because I've never done a three-part series in my life. So, this is pretty awesome, right? So, anyway, next week we'll do that. So, here's the way I'll, I'll set this up, and then we'll go uh, 
read a great story in the Bible. Have you ever uh, had a conversation with another person where the only thing they were interested in talking about was themselves? See, some of you, I saw Deborah was already mouthing the words, right? You already know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, uh, it's very aggravating, isn't it? How do you feel when you get together with somebody and, you know, maybe somebody you know well or you're just getting to know and all they want to do is talk and all they want to do is talk about themselves? You know, and I had this happen to me recently. Um, I was, uh, I had a, somebody who was an acquaintance. I wouldn't say they were a good friend. I actually hadn't talked to them in 20 years. And so they were coming into town, and they were in another place, and they had been part of our church, so I knew them from that. And so they, I didn't even know they knew that I lived in Pasadena, but somehow they, uh, Facebook, you know, they messaged me. You know, just beware, if you go on Facebook, anybody can find you. So anyway, they, he found me, messaged me, and so we got together, they were in town, so we had breakfast, and so we spent about an hour and a half together, and uh, it was kind of sad and kind of painful. They talked the entire time about everything that, that was going on in their life, and their ministry, and their job, and their family, and seriously, I mean, every once in a while, I... Sort of, well, you know, I, I have a wife too. And, uh, you know, and I, I just barely got a chance to say anything. And the longer it went on, the more painful it was. And, uh, of course, it's good that person's not here today. And uh, I don't think that person will be listening online. And, you know, if they did, they probably are so lacking in self-awareness, they wouldn't realize I was talking about them. Because sometimes this happens, right? We don't intend to. It's not that we're evil or bad necessarily. It's just that we, we like to talk about, I want to talk about me. You know, and so that's just the thing. And it's something to be aware of. And I know when that happens, it's not a good feeling. You know, when I walked away from that breakfast that day, if I'm to be honest with you, I felt, I went home and told Mary Kay about it. I go, you know, I just felt like this person... They don't really care about me. And even though we hadn't, you know, I just felt, I felt, can I just be blunt about it? I felt that it was arrogant on their part. I felt disrespected. I felt unloved. That's pretty powerful stuff, right? So what we're going to talk today is about great conversations and how to have a conversation with somebody to help them perhaps in their faith. The title of the lesson today is Questions and Answers. And so I think that really gets to the heart of it. We need to be able, if we're going to have great conversations, and great conversations connect us with people, we need to be able to ask questions, good questions, to draw people out, to know who they are, to understand where they're coming from, to be able to help them. If you want to help somebody else out, you need to understand and know who they are. And you're not going to be able to do that unless you're good at asking questions and listening. That makes sense, right? So I want to read you an example from uh, the ministry of Jesus. Look over in Luke chapter 2. And it may be that this uh, will come up on the screen here. Is this going to come up on the screen, Derek? Luke chapter 2. 
There you go. And I can see it here on the monitor, right? There you go. So we're all good. So we're going to start in verse 41. And what's interesting about this story is, and some of you may know it, there's four different accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And actually, you know, when you put them all together, it's and some of the stories are repeated and such, you know, it's like, maybe you're like me, sometimes I wish I knew more about Jesus. This is the only story of anything we know about who Jesus was and how he grew up between the time that he was born and the age of 30. This is it. This is the one story we're going to find out in this story that Jesus is about 12 years old. Okay, Deborah's already smiling because she knows what's coming. Okay, verse 41. Let's read the story. Every year his parents, this is Jesus' parents, went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. And I'll just stop here. If you don't know, for the Jews, the feast of the Passover was the biggest celebration. You know, it was their Thanksgiving, their Christmas, whatever. It was the biggest celebration of the year. And so people would typically travel from wherever they lived to Jerusalem, and it would just be a big party that would go on for like a week there. And uh, the distance from Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, to Jerusalem was about 65 miles, and they did that on foot. So it was a little bit of a journey. It took several days to get there. And they had a big party there. And it says in verse 43, After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Let's stop here. You have to have a picture of what's going on here. What kind of parents were Joseph and Mary, right? So God handpicks Mary to be the chosen one, the miraculous birth of Jesus, the one and only Son of God. He's 12 years old, and you know, and this was not quite as strange as it might seem to us because they traveled in a large group, big family, relatives and friends. There's probably a whole group of, may have been a hundred or more, uh, hundreds even, that came together from Nazareth. They were all friends and family. They went to Jerusalem together. And I don't know if you know this, but Jesus had at least four brothers and two sisters that are mentioned that are unnamed. So there was at least seven of them. And, of course, he was the oldest one. Is that right, Deborah? So, you know, sometimes any of you older children, you know, if you haven't been forgotten yet, it's soon to happen, okay? So it's just I'm an older child. I know how that works. So, you know, I don't know if they just trusted Jesus or they just assumed. And so anyway, they're just traveling along. I mean, today, could you imagine doing that? I mean, how many mothers in here have been struck with panic because you lost your child for five minutes in the grocery store? You know, that happened to us several times, didn't it, Mary Kay? It was always David, wasn't it? Always David. There's always one in every family. Was it you, Albert? Were you the one always getting lost? So, you know, you got to, I mean, you got to imagine how they feel when they realize they have traveled a whole day. So, you know, walking speed, three miles an hour. They walk 10 hours. They're about, they're about halfway home. And they get ready for the, you know, have the meal and put the tents out. And, you know, where's Jesus? 
And they go back. They have to find Jesus, don't they? Can you imagine how the Mary felt? I have lost the Son of God. I mean, it's bad enough to lose any child, right? I have lost, and, the, and He's the one and only. He can't be replaced. They can't just make another one. Then they went back, and for three days, that's even worse, isn't it? They go, well, we, last time we saw him, is in, and that's a good, you know, if you ever lose something, the best place to start looking is the last place that you remember seeing it, right? And I'm having trouble here. Okay, I got it. So three days, they go back, to, they can't find him for three days. How are you feeling right now, moms? How are you feeling right now, dad? I mean, dads are a little slow sometimes, but we, we might have woken up by now. You know, the dads, the moms might be a little more panicky, but by now even dads probably, where's he at? Where's he at? What happened? And you know, I just have to say this, and I know I have a strange sense of humor, but I, I, I believe that this was not the favorite story in the Bible for Mary and Joseph, right? And I believe if they had Luke over for dinner, you know, years later and all that and you know, and, and I believe Mary may have said, I, I don't understand, Luke. Matthew and, and Mark and John did not feel that was an important story. And I don't understand why you put that one in the Bible, the one where we lost Jesus. But anyway, it happens. But here's the thing, and, 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 and some of you already know, this is something even at 12 years old. And so this is actually a great story for those of you who are younger and who are just into your teen years and such. What a powerful example of who Jesus was and who he would become. Because look what it says when they did find Jesus. It says, after three days, where are we at? Verse 46, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Don't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. What Jesus is doing here is something that really describes his ministry. When he gets to be 30 and he has his ministry that we read about, is that Jesus connected with people. Jesus came to understand people. Jesus helped people because he asked people questions. He was a learner. He was a listener. He did not assume, even though he was the Son of God and could read minds and knew everything, he still gave people the opportunity. He wanted them to know that he wanted to hear from them their, their, what they thought, what they believed, what, how they believed that they should live, and, and what was going on in their life. This was a great example of that right here. Even at 12 years old, 
Jesus was asking questions and listening to the answers that people gave. You know, you may have heard this before. I've said it even recently. It's recorded that Jesus asked well over a hundred different questions. And as I already mentioned, we, ha- we really actually know very little about Jesus' life. If it's recorded that he asked over a hundred different questions to people as a part of his ministry, how many more did that did he actually ask? This is not to be missed. This is practical. This is powerful. If you want to help people spiritually, if you want to study the Bible with people and help them become a Christian, if you want to strengthen somebody who's weak, you need to take the time. You need to love them enough to ask questions, to find out who they are, to understand them. How can you help them if you don't really know them? How can you help them if you don't really understand them? How can you help them if you don't know where they're coming from? Don't assume that you know. I wrote down a list of some of the questions. You might be reminded that Jesus asked during his ministry, Why did you doubt? What did you want? What is written? Talking about the Word of God. How do you read it? What you've read in the Word of God. Who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Do you want to get well? What do you want me to do for you? I want to share with you a few uh, Proverbs as well. That are uh, Proverbs are great. Turn over to uh, Proverbs 18, or we'll actually put it on the screen for you, won't we? I don't know if you've read much in Proverbs. You know, uh, one of the great things that my mother and dad did for me is they uh, got me reading the Bible when I was very young. And the uh, first thing that they encouraged me to read in the Bible was Proverbs. If you've never read this, it's great to be able to start. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs, so you could even read a chapter a day and then start all over if you want to. But there's these, most Proverbs are just like little one-sentence nuggets of wisdom about life. And let me just say that what we're talking about here, even if you're, what I'm telling you today about how to help people, even if you are not trying to help somebody become a Christian, even if you're not trying to strengthen somebody's health, if you will take the time to ask questions and listen, you can have great conversations, and that's going to help your relationships to be better. Even if you're not a person of faith, it's going to help your marriage, I guarantee it. It's going to help you as a parent. It's going to help you have better friendships. You wonder why you don't have more friends. Maybe you need to be a better, learn better how to converse with people. It's going to help you in life. It's going to help you on your job just by learning how to relate to people in this very practical way. So let's read a couple of these. Proverbs 18, verse 2. And you've got to love the Proverbs because they're so blunt, they're very difficult to misunderstand. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding but delights in airing his own opinions. One of the worst mistakes that we make, if you want to help somebody to become a Christian and you want to open the Bible, that's good. But one of the worst mistakes that you can make is you just talk the whole time and you just share them what you believe 
and you never take the time to find out who they are and what they think and how they're responding. Conversations that lead to connections. One thing I figured out a long time ago is I don't learn anything when I'm talking, except potentially that I need to learn how to apologize better, you know, and, and, and that kind of a thing. Actually, I was, um, my wife is on Facebook. Did you know that? So she didn't even know what I was speaking about today. And so uh, I, uh, I'm lurking in the shadows reading her Facebook messages and her posts uh, because I'm a good husband. Um, anyway, so Mary Kay didn't even know I was speaking. This is what she posted this morning. I have a basic rule I live by, and it began several years ago. When I meet with someone, I want to do more listening than talking. The more I want to hear what they are saying, the quieter I am. And when I speak, I ask a lot of questions. I find my voice counts more when I do this because I find that then I have something to say, something worth saying. Just a random thought. Random thoughts from Mary Kay. Thank you. Um, and so hopefully this picture has been painted. I will just tell this on myself because we're out of time. But it came to my attention a few years ago, I didn't even know it, that I have a bad habit of interrupting people. And uh, I can assure you that it's not because I'm an evil person. At least that's what I want to think. But I, uh, this was first pointed out to me by my, uh, my friend Les Callahan several years ago. And I suppose other people may have noticed it, but nobody ever said anything to me about it. And so we would, we, Les and I generally get together every week, and we share our lives most of the time on Friday mornings, and we talk. And so went on, and, and then, you know, and one day he just said, you know, I'm trying to share something here, and you're interrupting me. And, you know, it wasn't like intense or something. It was just sort of, and I go, yeah, that's right. And he said, you know tell you the truth, that's something that I notice that you do on a somewhat regular basis. Now, my wife has told me that many times, but sometimes, you know, we need to listen to our wives more than we do. And so that really, that really made an impact. That was several years ago, and, I, and I've really tried to work on it, but just to let me know, humble me and let me know that I still need some work on that, I was just... It was just actually last month I was at a leadership meeting that went on for several days with a group of people, and, you know, we were having a great time, I thought, and a fun time, and, you know, we were having dinner together, and there were meetings and conversations in the hallway, and just great fellowship, a bunch of Christian leaders together, and I'm getting ready. I mean, I'm excited after the meeting's over. I'm going home. I'm getting on my Uber, and I'm going to, you know, ride to the airport and fly home. And so just as I'm walking out the door, one of the, one of the brothers, one of the men came up to me that was been in the meeting, and he's not even one that I know all that well. And he said to me, he says, you know, I just got to say this to you, brother to brother. And immediately I wanted to run out of the room. 
some of you know what I'm talking about. I wanted to just, I got to go. My Uber's waiting. But I decided to hear him out. He goes, you know, I've noticed during the last few days that we've been together that you have a bad habit of interrupting people. And so, you know, I think I needed to hear that. I didn't want to hear that. But I think that it's, it's easy to do, you know, especially when you're passionate and you're excited about your life and you're a Christian and you have good news and all that. But we got to learn, I have to learn, how to have some self-restraint and how to be able to listen more than we talk. That's a good goal that Mary Kay mentioned. Any conversation, try to listen more than you talk. And so here I want to, I wanna, it's just very practical. This is going to help you in life. This is going to help you to be like Jesus. It says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. People like Jesus. Now they didn't always like his message, but they liked him. He was a friend of sinners. Why did people want to come around? One of the reasons because Jesus was not always interrupting them. No, because he was a friend, because he reached out. He had great conversations. He cared about people. He expressed that. He took the time to ask the right kind of questions, to know their heart and who they were and what they dreamed of and what they wanted and where they wanted to go and all that. And then he was able to connect with them and he was able to help them. So let's be more like Jesus. So I want to give you this assignment. I want you to think of somebody that you know well and that you trust. And I want you to go ask them, this week to give you an honest evaluation of whether you're a good, a good, good, you, have, you know how to have great conversations where you ask good questions and you know how to listen. And you might ask them on the, on, on just a side note if they, if you ever interrupt them. So anyway, but just, just try to get some, some self-awareness and some self, under, some understanding of things. Because this is really way more important than you may think it is. If you want to reach other people and you want to connect other people and you want to help other people. A lot of you know this. Professional counselors, every good professional counselor asks great questions and they listen to the answers. They're not just thinking about what they're going to say next. They're really listening so they can understand and help you. Let's be those kind of people. Amen. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this Thanksgiving week. Thank you for the wonderful times we've had with family and friends, many of us, most of us, maybe all of us, but just thank you for uh, our lives. Thank you for the opportunity we have to, to have a positive impact on other people, and just pray that we learn to be like Jesus, to uh, ask great questions, to listen, and to be able to connect with people by having great conversations, helping people in their faith and helping people in their life. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great rest of the day.